you know, yes, experiencing an incredible life here on earth that glorifies the Lord, but also we're going to have to walk through our own pain and loss and suffering. That is Jesus. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Hello and welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we attempt to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the church by having a discussion with a guest who has insight or experience with that subject. Now, if you're new to the show, we're not always going to agree, and that's okay, but we're not going to argue because our goal is to gain understanding and perspective by sharing views in a way that builds bridges instead of barriers. Our guest today is Carson Case. He is a blogger, author, and youth pastor from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He is the founder of Soul Movement, a young adult community. Carson, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, thank you for having me on. It's an honor. So before we dive into our conversation today, Carson, how'd you get introduced to church, to faith? What's some of your background with spiritual stuff? Oh, man. So I'm a, I'm a Bible Belt guy. Central Arkansas, born and raised. So great family growing up. A lot of church stuff, church atmosphere. Um, I would say faith, family, football. But um, man, it wasn't until I was 17, 18 years old, going to be a senior in high school, where a terrible injury really ended me up giving my life to the Lord. And I would say more just being rescued by Jesus. I didn't do much. I just knew that I, I needed a savior. And you know, you hear about it so much growing up and you may live in a Southern church world, but until you actually have this desperate need and realization for Jesus, that's kind of what it took me. And so, man, 17, 18 years old, the church landscape, um, me and my family, things really changed a lot more just because I, I needed him. I had an injury. I was a, a sports fiend and addict, and my, my whole little sports career and going to college to play ball ended right then and there. And so I gave my life to Jesus and man, now 24 years old, five or six years down the road, um, the Lord and the church has looked a lot different for me. That's awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, man. I appreciate you. So we're diving into your new book today. And before we dive into it, what was going on around the time that you wrote born for it, that you were noticing that was that you were observing and you said, man, I got to write a book about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, so many things. And I think I'll say this first. I think a lot of people have great ideas. I think a lot of people want to write books and, uh, just even in, even in the time that I'm in right now, I've heard that a lot. I mean, I want to write something. I want to do something. Congrats on born for it. And I think you just got to pay attention to where God has you. I know that, that seems really simple, but it's it's right where you are, and it's praying through where you are, and it's checking out the experiences that he's given you and the people that he's placed you around. Because, you know, as crazy as that sounds, that's really where the book came from. You know, there's always been a dream for me to to write and to publish a book professionally. But more so, I was doing ministry. I was working where God had me at Coastal Carolina University. And for a few years around young adults, I just have a great love for 18 to 30 year olds and what they're thinking about God and whether they believe or whether they don't and if they have influence and how they're utilizing their influence and what they're going through and pain and loss and family and thinking. And so I kind of just begin to take all of those variables, the things that I was experiencing and seeing um, with my friends, girls and guys 
between that little age bracket. And I would just write and I would just ask God um, to kind of bless what was going on and show me things and show me different roots and what people were feeling. And just over time in my college years and getting out of college, born for it, more so just became this mantra that young adults and young people in my generation and my age group um, had more to to offer the world and, and more to work with with God um, to see him do incredible things through our lives. Um, didn't mean we weren't broken. Didn't mean that we weren't going through stuff. But I was just trying to take all of the, the tidbits that I was experiencing right where I was and write it down. And so I would just encourage anybody, if you're thinking about a book and you've got a vision or a dream of what, what the Lord's doing, I think sometimes we can kind of get ahead of ourselves. And the best thing is just to to start writing and to start thinking and to start putting um, on paper, hey, this is what God's doing in my life right now, and this is what I see in the world, and uh, and then asking Him to bless that because that's where Born for It came from was just just from the young adult and the experience with the Lord and what they thought about God. So that's where it's at, man. It's Born for It. Now, this idea of using our gifts, finding our passions, our calling in life is a very hot button topic, especially in today's millennial church. The millennials yep. are all about that question. But I feel like our parents seemed less concerned by the issue. Why do you think that this is such an issue, such a concern for our generation today? Mm. Well, I I'll tell you something, man. Um, this is going to this is going to come out of left field and it may not be as popular, but um I want to speak on this on this line I'm about to say, and this is what you hear a lot growing up. And I think there's differences in generations, and what we see in faith, and what we see in God's word is is a little bit of a difference. But you hear this line a lot, and I heard it so much growing up. It's, hey Carson, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, whatever you want to do, you'll do, and God will bless it, or something like that. And you know what I've come to realize just about giftings and what God has called you to do is. If you're chasing the Lord and you put your faith in Him, and if we're trusting God to be a lot greater and a lot smarter and have a lot better plans than we do for ourselves, then we've got to know that it may not be just doing and being what we want to be or do, but that He has a specific purpose and He has gifts and He has things set up for us. And so it's submitting and surrendering to that. It's not just doing whatever you want to do, but it's submitting and trusting that God has some gift for you to utilize, um, not just for the world, but for the church and for the people around you. And so that's what began to shift for me as a millennial is, hey, Carson, or anybody listening right now, I'm not just going to do whatever I want to do in life or just pick something up and hope that it works for me, but I'm going to do exactly what God's gifted me in and what he's made me passionate about, because I believe as a generation, and I've said this man on some different podcasts, I've said it on my social media. I really believe that my current generation versus others carries a lot of passion and just high end spirit. But at the end of the day, I think when it comes to wisdom and discernment and submission and surrender, to God and his will, we have got to be able to discern, all right, here's what I'm good at. And here's what I'm not good at. You know, I think we, we struggle with that is, is here's what I'm, what I'm not good at and being okay with that. And so it's, it's finding really that sweet spot that God's giving you. And I think it's running with that and then utilizing that um, for the church and for God's glory. And I think, you know, man, we could talk about comparison. We could talk about, man, all the, the social media, 
and the millennial church, I think you just have eyeballs everywhere and you could look and try to be so many different things. But I think the key here, this is what I'll finish with. The key is, God, what have you gifted me in? The purpose you give me is to glorify Jesus and to walk in his ways. But what gifting is, is right there? And how can I sit in that sweet spot and do what you've called me to do? It's not just it's not just choosing whatever I want and just growing up with a mindset of just be whoever you want to be. But it's, God, what exactly have you called me to do? And what have you gifted me in? And that's what I'm going to do because you're great. And what I'm doing is for your glory and you know best for my life. So I think that's the niche we got to follow, man. Now, you've said it a couple times, gifting, calling, purpose. How would you define those gift? Uh, let's stick with gifting and calling. How would you define them? And are they different? Because I think a lot of people lump them together and they say, oh, it's just the same thing. But maybe it's not. How would you personally mm. define those? Whew, put me on the spot, though, man. I, I, I think <laughs> I, I see via scripture that, that God gifts us with many different things. And I think as people, you know, whatever age you are, wherever you're from, whatever color you are, whatever it looks like, we have different giftings. And those giftings are for one cause, one voice, one God, one purpose. Um, and so I think we see the gifting, it's going to be very different. And it's going to be specific to how God has made us and how he's wired us. But I think when we look at calling, um, I think the calling on our life, even though it may, God, God may be calling us to different places. I think that there is a, a singular calling to first glorify God and then utilize our gifting for his glory. And so I think when you look at the calling, I think the calling is going to be very singular. It's going to be very much the same mindset of like-minded for Christ and for God's glory. This is what we're living our life for. And this is the greater purpose that we're living for. And I think when we look at the gifting and the parallel of the gifting is the gifts going to be um, very specific to who we are, where we are um, and what God's put in us. It may look different, but at the end of the day, we're all pointing to the same savior. We're all pointing to the same God with that gifting. So I hope that makes sense. Now, something that comes out in the book is that the book's mentality is one that believes in growing into what God has made you to do. And that's probably in direct contrast of what we're seeing today in culture of instant. Everything is immediate. Everything is right now. Yeah, yeah. But what you're saying is that calling is more of a process. Is that correct? I think so. And, and none of us really like the process, right? It's a little painful. Yeah, almost not a light switch, but a lifelong process, maybe dealing with it longer than we might expect. Yeah, yeah, no, and and I'll speak on that just a little bit. My my preacher is going to come out because I'm thinking of of God's word and and what I see in the gospels and what I see the Lord kind of speak to us, like reading the word, just about instant gratification and the world we live in. And I think you know it may be a little extreme just to say, oh wow, our world has become this way, so it's all the devil's fault and the enemy is just doing so many things. But I think you know there is something to say about this refining and sanctifying process that the Lord calls us to. And we see that in scripture versus a quick microwavable outlook on life, which I think if you look at Luke four, for example, you look at Luke four, that Jesus is tempted by the enemy, by Satan. 
And how does he tempt him? He tempts him in ways of instant gratification. I'll give you this quick. If you just do this right now, then I'll give you this now. And again, I, I don't want to be so extreme just to say, oh, wow, in our world today and in America, we, we don't worship God and we just do things this way. But I think that, yes, we are in a world where we are believing so much the lies of the enemy and they're covered up in instant gratification. They're covered up in, in a microwavable culture because what we see uh, through our Savior, what we see through old prophets and stories, what we see through God's word, if we're going to trust God's word, is that when things happen and when God did things, it was pretty much always on his time. And it always took a lot longer than we hoped for, you know, and when things were prayed for and when we were begging and desperate for God, it looked a lot different than we hoped for or that we wanted a lot more quickly. And we wanted our dream to happen and we wanted something to happen. So I, I think that's hit me hard. Um, and you're talking to a guy that's preaching to himself, man, I'm preaching to myself. I am praying and I'm moving and grooving in my life right now via the word of God. And I'm wanting to see things happen quicker. Why? Because I'm in a social media generation. I'm in a selfie generation. We want to see things happen quickly. We want to put ourselves first. If we're not careful, um, it will destroy us. And I think, I think that's a, a, a battle, flesh and the spirit battle that we're currently in. And so, but I think it, it goes back. It goes back in God's word thousands and thousands of years, but that's our current world, man. Instant gratification. Now, your book touches on pain and loss and how those can potentially throw wrenches into our view of calling. They can cloud some of the focus. Mm. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, man. Um, I think pain and loss are a must to really experience the goodness and the glory of God. Now, you know, I think that comes out at you quickly. And it's like, man, Carson, is that right? Or I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like, you know, God's so awesome and loving and rainbows and flowers. And it's supposed to just look this way. And I think that we're mistaken because I think we got to look at the reflection of the cross. And that's pain. And that's loss. And there's a lot of tangible hurt there. Um there's blood and there's tears and it's heavy, heavy moments. And, you know, I think many of us could look and say, when we look at the cross of Christ and when we look at, you know, walk to the, to the hill on Golgotha is that that's the ultimate pain. That's the ultimate loss. That's the, the ultimate point of suffering. So again, not, not to go like too deep into the gospels, but let's, I think now let's go back and look at, look at born for it and look at kind of the voice that I feel like the Holy spirit kind of led me to with, you know, yes, experiencing an incredible life here on earth that glorifies the Lord, but also we're going to have to walk through our own pain and loss and suffering. That is Jesus. You know, that, that is the faith um, that we're walking out and believing. That is the Christian life is suffering and loss and pain. But in the midst of that, God's still God and he's still good and we still serve such an incredible savior and Jesus is the same no matter the pain that we're experiencing. And I think, you know, maybe we're in a little bit of trouble right now, you know, going back to the generational question of having having an issue believing in a God 
that would, I think some say cause pain, which is not necessarily true via scripture, but would allow pain and suffering to happen in our lives. But at the end of the day, doesn't that make us more Christ-like? Doesn't that make us more Christ-minded, which the goal of all of this is to um, reflect Jesus and the glory of God before our own selves. So I'm not getting preachy, <laughs> but man, I, that's, that's the concept of born for it isn't, isn't a me, me, me gospel and how much God has made me born for it and how great my life is going to be and how inspirational I can be for others. And I don't want to go through a lot of hardship or pain, but I think despite all the hardship and pain and loss and suffering that I can experience, Jesus is still Lord and God is still so good. And he still has a great plan for our life, even if we're experiencing a lot of pain and loss here on this earth. Now, there's so much content of this caliber out there today about our calling, about our purpose, whether that's books, series, podcasts, etc. Carson, why do you think that we need to constantly be reaffirming our calling and our purpose, reminding ourselves about it so often? I mean, I'll put this out there quick and you tell me what you think. I, I could give. I could give a bigger answer, and I think you caught me on one of these days where I just, man, I'm going deep and I'm thinking and. I'm trying my best to reference God's word, but man, I'll say this simply. I believe that we need all of these reminders because I think that the goal of the enemy and that I see via scripture so much is, is not an enemy of our faith. That's trying to take us elsewhere and make us believe a hundred million different things. But I believe that the enemy of our faith and the enemy of our heart right now is just trying to make us forget the truth that God already spoke over our lives. I think I think that's it. I think it's it's forgetfulness. It's not it's not changing the script so much, but it's changing a few little things so that we forget the voice of God that's already professed faithful things over our lives. And so time and time and time again, we have got to be reminded because we don't just live in a world that's always putting out fresh content and new things, but we live in a world where there's the prince of the air, Satan himself, and what he is constantly trying to do is make us forget what God has done for us and what he has already promised us. And so the twist and that forgetfulness, I think once it seeps into our mind, it really kills that sense of purpose and calling that we know God has placed on our lives. Almost back to the garden of really, is that what God said? Right, right. Mm, Man, that's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, we're getting deep. I said, you just caught, you, you caught me on one of those days. I think everybody, man, um, in faith, you know, you have that, that day where it's like, wow, I'm so deep. Maybe I had like way too many cups of coffee this morning. I'm just thinking, 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 but I'm loving the conversation, man. So not only do you share this content, but you're the head of a ministry down in South Carolina. Is that correct? Right, right. Yes, I am. So Soul Movement Young Adults is something that, man, we have been um, stepping in and seeing God work through kind of based out of Coastal Carolina University and Myrtle Beach for the past three years now. So now how have you guys been stepping into this on a practical level? You know, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to live it out. So what are some of the things that you guys have been doing to walk this out? Man, there's so much, so much I could tell you. And I think I'm going to say this, and I really hope this encourages listeners. 
And I hope that it encourages uh, church people and kind of people in, in the Christianese bubble, because I think sometimes we can kind of just stay in our comfortable um, Christian spot. But something that the Lord has taught me from leadership within a movement of young adults and, and young adults between 18 to 30 that, you know, I would say 50 to 50 sometimes percentage wise guys and girls who may believe in guys and girls who don't. And so I think what God has taught me um, in this leadership and in this move of God through the past couple of years is it's raising up men and women of God to think like Christ for themselves and to be able to do things and to be able to go out in the world, not stay in your bubble, not stay in your fence lane, but go out in the world and make disciples of all nations. And third, the, the biggest thing that I've seen, I believe this is a huge problem in church right now, is this evangelism and discipleship talk. And I think just owning your own faith. The, the last thing that I've seen is such an issue and something that I'm just asking God to use me for as a young leader is that that people and young people and millennials would stand on their own two feet and they would know their faith and their faith wouldn't be from grandma or mom and dad or even their friends and their young adults movement they're a part of, but their faith would be their very own um, and they would be hearing the voice of God. They would be studying God's word. They would know God's word for themselves. So that way, when the world gets crazy, when life closes in, when the grades didn't work out, when the GPA wasn't what you wanted, when you're not graduating on time, when the relationship falls through, um, when mom or dad may pass away in, in a crazy accident. I don't know what it looks like, but I know that these are all things I've experienced in the young adult leadership world. But in those moments, we're raising up young men and women of God who can stand on their own two feet of faith and pursue Jesus and become more like him in a world where I think in a Christian world right now where the words are, Hey, just, just kind of look like Jesus a little bit and make sure you get there on Sundays and make sure the box is checked and just feel good and feel motivated and feel inspired by the pastors on Sunday. But I think this like heart wrenching, crazy transforming life of just becoming more like Jesus kind of in the pain that we talked about. And the man, the, the hardship, shout out to all my young adults listening. I think the hardship of just being, being a young adult, those transitional years of getting into college and getting out of college and the job world, but it's, it's being able to say, man, life stinks right now, but Jesus is still Lord. And I've been taught and I've been shown by the community of people around me how to pursue him and look more like him and be sanctified and be changed and transformed uh, for his glory. So I know that was a long one, but I think that's what I'm feeling for young adults right now and, and, and in leadership and just having um, friendships and connections around the world of, of the young growing church. I think what we need is this transformative view of being on our t own two feet of faith and not clinging on to anything else extra, but being ourselves before the Lord and really putting our face in his word and around healthy community. Those are powerful thoughts, man. Thank you. And, and sort of as we wrap up our time, what's something that you would say to the church to help it move in a more positive direction? It could be on some of the topics that we're talking about, like calling and purpose, or it could just be something that you're observing from your corner of the world. Mm. Man. <laughs> This, this is a funny one, but I mean it. I think we just need to get over ourselves. I do. I, I think we need to get over ourselves. I think 
band. I'm, I'm, I'm barely 24 years old. So, you know, I have a little bit of pride and arrogance. Sure. Um, and I'm learning and I constantly need, uh, just the direction of greater wisdom and, you know, I just have a lot to learn, but, but I will say, I think one thing I've noticed and, and one thing I want to get better at is I keep stepping as a young leader, preacher, pastor, whatever my future look like, whatever it looks like for me. I just want to speak that into existence. Um, for those listening, we got to get over ourselves in the church. We've got to get over our own um, little man-made empires and, and our churches and our thing and our movement and our idea. When at the end of the day, um, you know, the beginning and end is, is Jesus. The beginning and end is, is God's church and God's dream and God's idea. And so, I just want us to get over ourselves. I think that a lot of us and myself included, I'll include myself in this. I think we're a lot more prideful in the church world than we see right now. And I think it is going to take an act of humility and by God's grace alone to start breaking up um, some leaders and some churches and kind of just, like I said, some own, some of our own little man-made empires so that we can actually connect with each other so that we can actually build multi-ethnic churches in this crazy world that we live in today so that we can start um, doing life and faith around believers that may not look like us. But at the end of the day, if we're going to heaven and we're going to eternity, we're all going to be worshiping side by side. And man, I'll just finish it with that. I think getting over ourselves and our own pride and our own scheme, even in the Christian culture, is going to be the key to just humbling ourselves before the Lord and doing more with what he's given us here on this earth together and in unity. I think unity is the key right now. We need to be uh, unified in, in what we're doing for the Lord. Those are awesome thoughts, dude. Thank you. And thanks again so much for being on the show. Man, I appreciate you a ton. I'm super honored, man, to be on today. Also want to say shout out to my wife, Love her so much. And shout out. I've been wanting to say this. I don't know why, but it's on my brain today. I, uh, I'm i really praying that the Los Angeles Lakers would win the NBA championship this coming year. Just wanted to throw that out there, man. Definitely. Well, if people wanted to follow up with you, follow up with the book, how could they do that and where could they find you online? <laughs> man, um, I'm, on, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. I feel like those are the things I use the most today. Um, and so those handles are at Carson, C-A-R-S-O-N underscore case, C-A-S-E, like suitcase, bookcase. And then um, also, man, I've got a, a site that's www.carson-case.com and, and some blogs and things like that. Um, and maybe a few other things I could shout out, man. But that's a, that's enough for you guys. That's, that's, that's kind of where I hang out a little bit, man, in the, in the online world. Yeah, man, we'll be sure to throw all that in the show notes. But again, thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, brother, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And that wraps up this episode of The Dismantle. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to support the work of the podcast financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash dismantlepod. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and also check out the website at dismantlepod.com. Until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. You've been listening to The Dismantle creating community, not converts. Visit us at dismantlepod.com.